Love Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, if you were here, you get to have all kinds of stews, looks like some chilies, some homemade gluten-free cakes, which is which, uh, is awesome, it's a good thing to have. We have also peanut butter pie, peanut Reese's cup pie, ice cream cake. It was delicious. I had a piece of that, thanks to my buddy Jerry. Uh, for those who are ill and, and unable to join us tonight, we miss you. Special prayer goes out to Chris uh, Cahalan and his family. He's down in Florida visiting some folks. He was well enough to do it. And so we're, we're super excited about that. comes back, he's going to start some hardcore chemo and uh, he's going to get after it. So, But he doesn't need surgery and the tumor marker reading was incorrect. So uh, he's actually doing well. He's, he's still got a long way to go, but he's doing really well. And uh, so we're really excited. So if you haven't read it this week, um, I did a blog post that's apparently catching on a little bit. So if you go to drshawngreener.com or theninjapastor.com and go to the blog section, uh, it's right there. Feel free to read it and, and comment on it. Uh, we love to have comments because I hate to feel like I'm talking to uh, talking to the dead space, you know. So, uh, but it'd be cool if you have any input on that. We'd love that. So theninjapastor.com. So let me say this. This this sermon, uh, sometimes I put feelers out to people uh, who I know are they're strong Christians, but at the same time they're very questioning Christians and kind of a network of people that different different types of sermons that I might do or messages or speeches or whatever. I'll put it out in front of them and I'll say, hey, uh, you know, what do you think of this? And uh, I'm always amazed and interested in the in what I get back, what I get back is is usually really good and and interesting. It's challenging. It challenges what I do, um, and it was no different for tonight's sermon. So hopefully those people have, will be blessed by what we discussed tonight. So the title of this is called "The Love of God to a Perishing World." Christian, have you forgotten why you were so blessed? Why should you be so happy? you should be showing your joy to a lost world. And in my promo for tonight, I did ask fellow Christians if they'd forgotten the source and the reason why they should be happy. If they'd forgotten why they needed to share the reason for their joy with a lost world. Many Christians aren't happy or joyful and thus are rendered unable to share that joy with others. And that's tragic. That's heartbreaking to have a gift of salvation, and yet 
so unhappy, so lacking joy that they're unable or unwilling or just not in a place to share that joy with others. Tonight I want to remind us about what God has done for us and remind us that Second Corinthians 4 says he comforts us in all troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. What this means is that we are blessed, comforted, comforted, to bless, comfort. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. Almost all of us, whether we believe in Scripture or not, whether we're Christians or not, we've watched a football game, right? So you see in the end, John 3.16, everybody. And the hope is, is that, what is that John 3.16 people keep putting up? And then somebody will Google on the, the little uh, infinites. They'll get on there and the interweb. They'll they'll search and they'll find oh John three sixteen and then the hope is, is that that reading that scripture will will move that person and and they'll come to an interest in Christ at the very least. But what does this really say? Everlasting life. We have everlasting life. God so loved the world that He gave us a person. He gave us Jesus Christ. Not a set of new commandments because we weren't getting the first set. It was a person. Like us, but unlike us. First John tells us that there are two reasons why Christ was made manifest, why he appeared. First, first John three five, to take away sins. Second, first John three eight says it was to destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Yeah. Well, John ten ten. Uh the thief enters only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they could have life. Indeed, so that they could live life to the fullest. Let me say that again. So that they could live life to the fullest. The works of the door, everything that steals, kills, and destroys, everything that is wrong in this world. Jesus appears to make things right again and give us life to the fullest. The word used for destroy here means to loosen. I thought that was fascinating. The word used in Scripture, going back as far as we can, we think the word that was used, the word used for destroy, means loosen. To loosen to such a degree that destruction occurs. Jesus has loosened and destroyed the power and the authority of Satan so that we can choose. That's the biggest challenge, right? So many times people say to me, Sean, here's the challenge for me. Why in the world... Would God create the world if he's this great, great being and he creates the world? So we have to assume he's really, really incredible because he created everything. But why would he create it and then put Adam and Eve in the perfect garden, but he's going to put a snake in there and he's going to put in a tree that you can't eat and he's going to give them a temptation that they're going to fail. They're going to fail in that temptation. How could he not know that? He's God. He created everything. That's the challenge. The question becomes, well, then how do we believe about that? What do we do about that? And so then we get hung up on that. I hope to answer some of those questions tonight. Now, look, I'm not going to answer all the questions. Because if I could answer all the questions, guess who I'd be? I'd be God. And guess what? I'm not. God. So I'm going to do the best I can. But let's see if we can't kind of pluck a pluck a harmonious string here in your mind. I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to read it this time 
in the complete Jewish Bible should be fun. For God so loved the world that he gave his only and unique son, so that everyone who trusts in him may have eternal life instead of being utterly destroyed. Again, that's John 3.16, the complete Jewish Bible. Men do not like the idea of having any connection with the devil, right? We don't want that. We say, oh, that's of the devil. I don't want a part of that. Mm-mm, no, no. That's of the devil. I don't want no parts of it. I'm nowhere near it. Mm-mm, let me step off the other direction. Get thee behind me, Satan. Plead the blood of Jesus. You know, what we do, right? We don't want any part of it. But here's the thing. You have the most intimate connection with the devil until we're made anew. By the Spirit of God. That's so hard for us to believe that we have this intimate connection with the enemy, Satan, until until we're made anew by the Spirit of the living God. The appearance of Jesus gave us the chance, 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. We can choose to be children of God with all the glorious blessings that that entails, or choose to remain bondservants of Satan, destined for utter destruction. That's First Timothy 2, 4. God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved. It is without question that God's plan and will is that all be saved. Look, John 3.16 is the epitome of the gospel. It's a concise statement of the blessed plan of redemption. And in that blessed plan of redemption, this is what we have, the grand design contemplated by God, that men might not perish, but have everlasting life, so that everyone who trusts in him may have eternal life, instead of being utterly destroyed. Here's another thing you might think about. Man's perishing state is implied. Kind of made a little bit clear to us. This is abundantly established by other statements of Scripture. By one man, sin entered the world, and death by sin. All men are naturally in unbelief. Therefore, children of wrath and condemned already. Naturally, we don't believe until what? Until we have to be told, until we have to be shown. I would suggest to you, and you've heard this before, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ with joy and thanksgiving the greatest of gratitude, and if you must, use words. So in other words, live your life, smile, let it let it show. Look, I'm not Joel from Texas, and you know there aren't 26,000 people here, and so I'm not that guy. But I'm telling you, we should be joyful. But sadly, we're not. We're not joyful. And you know what? That's the sermon people read. That's the sermon people hear. They read our face. They read how we react to things. They think they're still in darkness. Why would I want that? Why would I want that? If they're still in darkness, what what's the gain for me? Look, I'm a pretty happy person. Uh, yeah, okay, I don't go to church. I don't do any of that stuff. I'm not a person of faith, but you know what? I'm pretty happy. He's going pretty good for me. Have you seen the house? Have you seen my car? Have you seen my family? All of those things. We look at all those things, and they say, I'm successful. Why would I want what you have? You're a sour face, sour puss. You're down in the mouth all the time. Let's just see. Man's perishing state includes the tendency of the body to disillusion. Appointed unto man once to die. Dust to dust thou art. 
The complete Hebrew Bible puts Hebrews 9.27 this way. Just as human beings, and by the way, I love this passage. I love this passage, and I love how the complete Jewish Bible renders it. Just as human beings have to die once, but after this comes judgment, so also the Messiah, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to deliver those who are eagerly awaiting him. Well, he didn't have to put eagerly in there, did he? You know, he didn't have a word count. He didn't have a publisher lording over him going, you're short by a word. We need to add a word here. Okay, we're going to come up with eagerly. We're going to put eagerly there. Now, how many of us seem eager in our waiting for Christ's return? For the Messiah, for the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, to to come upon us, Yeshua HaMashiach. And somebody sent me a message last week. They said, I'm not going to listen to your show no more. You know what you do? You speak tongues, and I'm against tongues, so I'm not going to listen to your show no more. Somebody told me about your show, said it was good. But you know what? You're not good. You speak tongues, and I'm against it. Not listening anymore. So fortunately, I had a thing back, and I said, that tongues that I was speaking, you know, that was Hebrew, <laughs> the language of Christ. I'm just saying. Yeah, hang in there. Hang in there with me. You'll be all right. So if that person is listening, God bless you. Thank you for coming back. Hope you, I don't know if you sound like that, but I was just reading what I thought it sounded like. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 3.20, they all go to the same place. They all come from dust, and they all return to dust. Let me say that again. They all go to the same place. They all come from dust, and they all return to dust. You know, when I do, when I do funerals, dust to dust and ashes to ashes. You know, we hear that said all the time. Many of you, I did your dear husband's uh, funeral. I was privileged to do that, and I've done others. And, and, and sometimes when I read that, it, it shudders me a little bit. Dust to dust. We were planning for my brother Dean's funeral. He's 52 years old, died suddenly on his couch. We were all shocked, and, and uh, so I had the privilege and honor of, of preaching his funeral and my father's funeral right at the same room, the same place, buried right next, you know, right to, right next to each other, and uh, in Sussex County, Delaware. And and I have to tell you, in preparing for that, the whole dust to dust and ash to ash to dust, boy, it just it rocked me. And I thought, brothers, we're planning for my brother's funeral, and you know, you're in there, you're picking out the the vault and the casket and all that stuff, you know against the funeral home they're a great funeral home i won't say their name because they probably probably won't like it but they are they are in my opinion the best they're very good at what they do and one of the owners was the one that was dealing with us and he dealt with us very fairly and very kindly and and uh with my father and and also uh they'll probably be the ones that lay me out you never know they're still around i plan on living a long time so if not you know maybe they will <laughs> there'll be a signed no sean greener on the tour, <laughs> no casket Sean Greener in it, and we're against you. No, but they did a great job. But but one of the things you know they do is how they make their money. We need to accept the fact in the Western society. You know what we want? We want to make sure there's no worms and no bugs and no water and all this stuff. So they say, hey, you can have a regular vault, the normal vault, and then after a period of time, we don't know exactly how long that is. You know, we don't like to think about it, but water and roots and just worms and ugh, you know we don't like to think about that if you'd like to upgrade we you know we have this available not to push you to, to get something that's not going to cause your loved dear one to not 
rot into dust and all this. Now, I said, I told my family, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you, don't spend a bunch of money on a casket. All my brother's casket, I'll be honest with you, is the most beautiful casket I've ever seen. It's a special casket for veterans. Yeah, it was beautiful. Thank you for coming, for all of you that came. Um, it was a beautiful casket. It was really one of the most beautiful ones. And my mom insisted on that. She said, you know, he was so patriotic and, and uh, he would have loved this. He would have loved this. And I differed. I, of course, said, I don't think he cares now. He's in heaven. And he's probably going, no, don't spend that money on that casket. You know, he didn't talk like that, by the way. Uh, so, but I don't want to be mad at me from heaven, you know, so I'm doing an invitation, but in fun. So, so you know, mom wanted to do that, and that's okay. For me, I instructed my family, hey, go out and buy a really nice refrigerator. Right, buy a really good refrigerator, maybe one of those triple door ones with all the magic stuff that it does and all this stuff. And then guess what? Wrap me in some duct tape. You know, get you get you a decent roll. Don't don't give me the Chinese duct tape. Give me the good duct tape. Wrap me in some maybe fish paper or some kind of thing, newspaper, whatever. Wrap that in the duct tape. Throw me in the box. Dig the hole. Don't worry about the the, the concrete and all that mess. I don't need the vault. Save your money. Buy some food for people that come, the seven or eight people that are going to come to my funeral. Buy some food, and you know what else? You know what else you could do? What would be really, really awesome? You know what you could do? You could have a big old party with all that savings that you had, and I would love it. I'd be right among you going, yes, that's what I love, fried chicken, watermelon, mm, sorry, Wes, steamed crabs. You know, that's my violation of Torah right there. Uh, you know, I mean, have fun, you know, have fun and, and don't spend all that money. They know it's true. They've all heard me say it. It's 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 for real. I, I know I'm like the dust. But guess what? My body's not there. I have the assurance of everlasting life. My earthly tent, my body, my tent is nothing. And y'all are out there going, you know, we're the live audience. We can see you, and we know. <laughs> Radio audience is like, what does he look like? He must be so horrible. He keeps saying Shrek-like. But from dust to dust and return to dust, I'm going to be dust. I'm going to be eaten by worms. And you know what? I don't care. I really don't care. The idea, I don't want to be putting fancy clothes. Put me in PJs if you want. If you just can't stand to wrap me naked, put me in some PJs. And uh, not some clothes I don't like or make me look fat because there's nothing worse than going to an attorney look fat. So put your put your you know put whatever you want on me, and put me in the grave and let the worms do their work. You're gonna need body anyway. Amen. Amen. I close my eyes. See, I'm the reason why I could be joyful of this is because I know if April twelfth, two thousand and twelve, at six eighteen, that was my last moment on earth. I'm okay with that. I am okay with that. I thank God for all the joy that's come to me ever since then. But the fact of the matter is, is if I'd have closed my eyes in that car crash the last time, when I opened them, I would see the face of the Yeshua, the one in whom I have placed my trust, the one in whom I have believed, the one who I knew was able Take me from this earthly tent broken and damaged and battered with all my hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and to convert me to a heavenly being in his presence.
glory to God, what a thing to be joyful about. What a thing to be happy about. So people say when they read Ecclesiastes 3.20, they all go to the same place. They come from dust. They all return to dust. They say it sadly. I say it, oh, guess what I get to do? I get to make a mess and my, in my, I'm dusty and I'm not going to clean it up. This is what else it reminds us, the present spiritual death of the soul. It really is a mathematical equation. Now, look, maybe this is my – I talked about my car crash. Maybe this is my my uh, brain injury talking here. Maybe this is my brain injury math because, of course, you guys that know me, uh, a few of the things that were damaged in my traumatic brain injury were I can't calendar things. I have no concept of when this is or that is. You tell me, hey, I'm going to see you on the – I'll just throw a number out there. Seventh, I don't have any correlation to when the seventh is from today. You know, even if it's the fifth, I, okay, how many days? I don't know. Uh, if you say, I'll see you next Tuesday, I don't know. Remember our thing next Tuesday? I don't know. What do I know? I don't know. And the other thing is math. I can't sequence things. I can't put these, and it's the simplest thing. It's just crazy how it happened. But your brain, God created a brain to be amazing and to amaze them. So when it's damaged, there's things that happen. And I feel funny, and I feel a little bit embarrassed about it, but you know what I do? I try to make a joke out of it and say, you know, but this is my math. to see if you can follow this. Dead in trespass and sin, plus image of God defaced, plus powers of the mind alienated from God equals, result is restlessness and misery. And what this really means is no peace. It means no peace. If I'm dead and the trespass is sin, and the image of God is defaced in my sin, and the powers of the mind are alienated from God, I'm restless and I'm miserable here on earth, and when I close my eyes to last, on earth I had no peace, and in death I have no resurrection or salvation. And no wonder I hate math so much. No offense to any math teachers who are listening. The exposure of the soul to the bitter pains of eternal death. Folks, this is another thing that we have to realize. We have to take into ourselves and realize, wow, I'm exposed to the bitter pains of eternal death. I said before, we have eternal life. We should be happy. We should be joyful. But guess what? Now I'm talking about the exposure of the soul to the bitter pains of of eternal death. This is the other side of it. This is if we had no reason to be happy, no reason to be joyful. God bless you. God bless you. The person who sins is the one that will die. A son is not to bear his father's guilt with him, nor is the father to bear his son's guilt with him, but the righteousness of the righteous will be his own, and the wickedness of the wicked will be his own. That's Ezekiel 18.20 in the complete Jewish Bible. Wow. So my father's sins are not going to be my sins. Thank God. And my children are not going to have to bear the weight of my sin. Thank God. They're probably shaking their fists going, ooh, goody. We don't have to suffer his sin. Because I have a lot of hurts, habits, and hang-ups. My kids don't have to suffer that. But you know what? They have to go get their own righteousness because they can't have mine. They can't have mine. Whatever piddly amount of righteousness, imputed righteousness through Yeshua HaMashiach that I have, that's mine. You can't have it. You have to go get your own. This is what I believe God contemplated in the plan of redemption. This is, I'm just thinking out loud here. I think he contemplated in the plan of redemption, restoration of the soul to the life and image of God. He did not, when he was contemplating, I'm just going out on a limb here. 
when he was contemplating the plan of redemption, I don't think, I don't think Adonai Elohim, again with my, you know, talking in tongues, Adonai Elohim, I don't think the Almighty God, the Almighty God. How many of you listened? Uh, you know, I did a special uh, two-hour uh, show, Collision of Faith and Politics show, last Friday. How many of you were able to listen to that? If you are hearing this for the first time, I want you to go to my blog, theninjapastor.com the or com. Go there and scroll down in the blog section until you find where I talk about Bill Federer. Click on that. There's a quick link at the bottom. It's very easy. Listen to that and share it. I'm telling you, I had a special extra show just so I could interview Bill Federer on the truth of Islam in the USA. And I'm telling you, this man knows his stuff. I'm known nationally as an expert on Islam. This guy is known in the galaxy as an expert on Islam. But he's a historian. You know, when he sits there, he there's not a note one in front of him. He doesn't need it. He has an, an encyclopedic mind. But this is the thing. What I believe God contemplated in the plan of redemption is that we don't have to live like the like the Muslims. We don't have to live like them. They have no hope. They have no hope. Now, they're running around hoping for the 72 virgins. I've got a news flash for them. That ain't going to happen for them. They're going to be treated as demons and devils. Ooh, we don't like to say that. That's not very nice, but it's the facts. It's the facts, and if you listen to that show, you're going to hear all the facts. This is a contrived, air quotes, religion. It's also a political force, and then it's also a military organization. And folks, they're at the political and military stage right now. We give them a lot of passes because they're religious, but guess what happens when they, when in America we're so accepted. Christians and Jews, Christians and Jews are the only ones now in America that, that are not treated with kid gloves, because we're extremists, right? We're bad people. But Muslims who are lopping off heads by the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands really, of Christians and Jews, and those who are not Muslim enough, they have no hope. They have, you know what that's going to buy them? It's going to be a, buy them a hotter hell. It's going to buy a hotter, it, that's what it's all about, is a hotter hell for them. I don't have that same thing. Man, I got to kill these people in order to gain in the eyes of my God. I don't have to do that. The light of Christ. I have to show the way to the restoration of the soul because my soul has to be Look, if your soul's not restored, if you're not in life and in the image of God, but instead you you are bound by earth and sadness, sorrow, grief, uh, fear, worry, whatever other words I can come up with. If you're bound by all that, then you're not showing the life and image of God from your soul. What you are showing is sorrow and loss and a lack of restoration. What else it shows me and that I believe God contemplated in the plan of redemption? I'm not saying I understand God. I'm just saying this is my guess. The resurrection of the body by the power and in the likeness of Christ. The only reason we have any hope at all, my friends, is because Yeshua HaMashiach was sent, the only unique son 
of the living God was sent to earth. He lived 33 perfect, sinless years. And then he was tortured. He was he was tortured mercilessly for hours. And then he was murdered in public for all to see. But you know what else happened? He was buried. He was brought down from the cross. And he was taken to a borrowed grave. He was buried and the grave was guarded. And still, he rose. Look, you can be sorry if you want to be. You can look at the state of the American political system and go, Oh my Lord, what in the world are we going to do? I do it too. I'm heavily involved in politics. I do a show called The Collision of Faith and Politics. I'm bathed in it day for hours and hours a day. I never get a break from it. And you know what? This political landscape among among conservatives will say, this political landscape among conservatives is the fiercest, the most ugly I have ever seen. I have never seen it like this. I have dear friends. I talked about this on Friday's show uh, with Bill Federer. I talked about this, and I mentioned my buddy Dave Perkins, wonderful man, one of the smartest people, good friend of ours, one of the smartest people I know, one of the best read. He has a great radio. Uh, he's you know, nationally known radio guy, phenomenal, phenomenal human being, and very politically astute, but he's worn out. He did a big post where he said, you know, I'm just, man, I got to let this go. I got to leave it to God. Because, y'all, this is this is crushing me to see friend against friend, brother against brother. To see us going at each other like this, and you know what's going to be left? Carnage. And there'll be a whole bunch of people again who aren't going to the polls because I'm not going to vote for the lesser of two evils. Folks, let me just say this. If you read the post I did, go to the ninjapastor.com, go to the blog, click on that. You'll see the most recent post talking about what I, I'm going to have something to say to my friends who support Donald Trump. And it's not terribly derogatory about Donald Trump. I don't sling a lot of mud. I use facts. Converted facts. We know documented facts. We we know this is true. There's no there's no supposition or or assessment on my part. Fact. And I and I go and read that. And I say this to the audience live and, in, and live and in, on the radio audience. I say this because it's important. We are loading the weapons of the left, and we're helping them aim them at the most deadly parts of us. And then we're tying a string to the trigger, walking into the sight of the gun. And we're pulling the trigger. And we're doing this to ourselves. And it is tragic. And it does make me sad. It makes me very sad. It makes me fearful for our nation. You know, this is a gift. This nation is a gift to us, folks. This was not just something that just happened out of nowhere. This was the birth of freedom and liberty from tyranny. And it was, in fact, a gift from the Almighty God. He gave us at one time Eden perfect. He said, don't do this. Do everything else. Don't do this. You can eat from everything else that's around. Don't eat that. 
and we did. He gave us this gift of freedom, and in short order, we wrecked it because we are not mutually pledged to keep the republic. We're not mutually pledged to one another, and so we fight. I've never seen it before. I've never seen it like this. It's terrible. It's tragic. But it is not my end because I know by the body, power, and likeness of a raised Christ, I have hope beyond what is here on earth. I will fight until he comes. To quote my dear friends, the Stabilis, I will fight until he comes. I will work until he comes. I won't let up until he comes. I will serve and worship until he comes. I will stand for what I believe is true and right until he comes. I'll keep fighting until. I would encourage you to do the same. Here's another thing, a title too. This is what I believe God contemplated in my plan of redemption, in his plan of redemption for me. A title to or meekness for and the enjoyment of eternal life in the world to come. He didn't just give this to us and go, hey, you might like this. I don't know. It's a little fun. No, he said, you've got the title. You place your faith in me through my son, Yeshua, and I will give you the title, my child. You are mine, and no one can snatch you from my hand. No matter what happens in this world, you are mine. we got a bunch of mama grizzlies here, I know. we got folks that have parents and folks that have siblings and folks that have people that you love spouses and, and, and everything else and best friends and dogs and whatever and you won't let anything happen to your dog. You won't let anything happen to your friends. You won't let anything happen to your your love. You won't let anything happen to your children. Funny thing happened the other night. I wasn't gonna talk about this, but I I might as well. So I'm I always like to take my dog, Buckeye. You've all heard about Buckeye. If you're on my website at any point in time you're gonna see Buckeye because Buckeye and I are pretty inseparable. Uh, she's the best dog I've ever had in my whole life. I'm telling you, and I've got about 900 nicknames for her. I don't know how she, she just hears my voice and comes because it drives my family crazy. Every day I come up with a new nickname for her. Well, the other night we play something called dark ball and it sounds crazy, but I throw a ball and then I shine a light where the ball's going to land. Somehow or another, this dog catches it. It's crazy. But, there's these cats that folks – now, look, I don't hate cats. I just want to – I need to preface this. I need to YouTube it. Um, it'll get more hits than anything else I do. I'm such a loser. I need to just bring my dog on video with me. So so I'm out there, and, and uh, we're getting ready to come in, and I look over there, and I see a cat at the edge of the pond trying to kill baby birds and, and all these – you know, the animals. And, you know, a cat – cats are not – supposed to be let out if it's your family cat guess what oh he just loves to go out he just loves to be outside news as soon as he goes outside you know what he's going to do he's going to destroy he's going to kill and destroy because that's what he does love cats keep them inside anyway there's my sermon on cats don't get me started do not get me started killing baby bunnies for no reason i don't like it baby ducks and stuff so anyway so this cat is out there so i walk over i'm gonna try to scare the cat back over to where i know where it's from i see the lady let the cat out and and I go over there, and, and my dog is kind of behind me, you know. And if you know Buckeye, she's sweet as she can be. She's loving and kind and all that stuff. And I have never seen her go off. But the other night, I walk up near this cat who's at the pond trying to lure, you know, birds over so he can kill a bird. And 
And all of a sudden, the cat comes after me. And <laughs> all of a sudden, the cat comes after me. And I'm thinking to myself, cat, are you aware I carry a gun? But the cat obviously hadn't listened to my messages or listened to my show or met me or talked to anybody that knew me. Cat was kind of dumb. The cat comes after me. Well, guess what? Out of nowhere, my sweet, loving, sleeps right next to me every single night, Buckeye. All of a sudden, I see teeth and snarling and wow, 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 coming after that cat. And the cat was shocked. The cat was looking at his watch going, what time is this that it just happened? That Who is this dog? I've never seen this dog. This dog is sweet and nice and loves everybody. It's coming after me, trying to tear me up. Where did it get those teeth? And I'm thinking the same thing. Because... The dog doesn't belong to me. I belong to the dog. I didn't claim the dog. The dog claimed me. And that dog, Buckeye, said, you know what? You ain't going to snarl at my mask. You see, I'll come after you. You see, I'll unleash. Right? It became the mama grizzly. God did that for us through salvation. But what did he have to do to do it? He gave his only and unique son he gave a scripture. Man, do I love to read the Bible. I love to read the Bible. Bill Federer, I said this, and I said it facetiously. You know, those of you who listen, this will be fun. Those of you who listen, to, if you've listened to it already, you want to listen to it again, or you haven't listened to it, listen to the interview that I did with Bill Federer. You know, and I'm trying to be funny, make him laugh a little bit. One thing I learned, he's very funny, but historians, I don't think, get my humor. And he didn't laugh at a single thing, not even a chuckle. So I've either got to work on my humor or I'm just not funny, maybe. Or historians just don't get my humor. I don't know. But I, I, I joked about some things. But, but one of the things that I said, because I wanted to hear his take on it, and I have, a, I have a take on it, not dissimilar from his, but I said, hey, you know, you have a, an encyclopedic knowledge of not only history but scripture. Your knowledge of scripture is mind-boggling. It's, it's it's like a, a computer that instantly recalls based on topic, based on whatever. You you have cross references in your mind, and it's all going so fast. It's I, how could you even do it? I can't even use a computer to look it up. Tell our audience how you acquired this. And he said, Well, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know that I have all that. But how I do it is I read scripture. Maybe if I can't sleep, I read scripture before I go to sleep. That's the last thing I think about as I fall asleep. And you know what? If maybe I'm driving somewhere, I'm on a plane, there's these things that you can do. You can listen to Scripture. You can listen to it being read. Wow! Maybe you don't have time. Maybe you're going to read passages of Scripture that, you know, Habakkuk, right? I like Habakkuk too. But, you know, a lot of times people don't read that. Some of the passages they don't like to read. Some of the things, Leviticus, tough for a lot of people to read. But you know what? Maybe you listen to it. And over and over and over, you get it into your head. There's so many tools. What a blessing. But Scripture, God gave us Scripture. He gave us His Son that points to the Scripture. He gave us the Scripture that points to, hey, this is, a, this, is, this is a succinct map for you how to live. Maybe you should read it. That's my thing, folks. I, look, I'm not trying to be, uh, I'm not trying to act like I know everything. Because you know what? I don't. By the way, folks in chat, hello there. I uh I'm terribly sorry. I I I forgot my uh iPad which is what I use to 
preach off of, and so I'm using my thing so I can only look at it real briefly, and so I apologize in advance for that. But we'll chat with you as soon as I as soon as I finish. All that said to say, this, God gave us this amazing issue. God gave us this amazing grouping of blessings. Still, we're sad, and still we're hopeless. Look, there's nothing afoul with the gifts that he gave us. It's because we are not taking them. You know, can you imagine? Can you imagine a gift so great? You know, you you save and you save and you save and you save. Um, you know, I'm not into diamonds. I'm more into guns. But okay, let's say you, you know somebody wants a diamond. You have a spouse who want a real big diamond. They, oh, I love diamonds. Mm, that's you. The bigger diamond you give me, the more I know you love me. Right? You know, and you're gonna make over this big thing, and you save 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 and you buy this diamond. And you take the diamond home and you put it in your little safe place that nobody knows where it is, so that it won't be found, your surprise won't be ruined. And every day you go around your you go around your spouse and you say, Boy, I don't know why you're so unhappy. You have so much. I don't know why you're so crabby, crabby pat for Pete's sake. Joy up a little bit. Maybe you need more rest. Maybe you're home early, get to bed earlier, drink more water. You need to be happier. You have such great things. I just don't understand why you're not happy. I know that the diamond is in the little hiding space. The gift that would make them just beyond happy, because that's what their chicken soup is. Their chicken soup is a gift. I want to be happy. Happy to me is chicken soup. Well, chicken soup in this case is a big old fat diamond. But it's hidden away, and they've never touched it. They've never seen it. They don't even know it exists. And so we get frustrated and we say, I, I'm frustrated that you're so unhappy, so crabby. Well, you don't live with any joy. You're so blessed. You're so fortunate to have what you have, such a, such a great blessing. You act like you don't have anything at all. And they say to you, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay, I like my house. I like my car. I like my family. All right. Um, uh, okay and you're mm, yeah but you have such great jewelry what do you mean i got this little band it's nothing it's no you have diamonds you have you have huge diamonds they're beautiful it's 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 months and months and months worth of salary saved and painstakingly and then hand picked out and all this stuff you have that and then they look at their hand and they go no i don't how come they don't know about it because because I didn't tell them. I didn't give them. I didn't give them the opportunity to take the gift and be joyful in the gift. But let's flip the story a little bit. What if I said, hey, I have got the best gift in the world for you. It's a gun, because that's the best gift in the world. And I've got the best gift in the world for you. I, I am really excited about this gift. I have saved and saved and saved and saved. Okay, can I have it? No, it's in a safe place. Well, what is it? I can't really tell you. How come you don't know now? How come you don't know what it is? How come you can't have joy now? Because I haven't given it to you. But guess what? No sides of that story on either side are true for us. Why? Because we have scripture. We have historical oral history. We have written history. We have 
scripture written for us in every language you can imagine. We have all these joyous things we can take part in. We know the story. We know he's risen. At least we should know by now. But guess what? We haven't truly taken the gift. We know about it. Maybe they said, hey, it's in the hiding place. It's right there in that little flippy doodle thing. It's underneath this thing. I've got it hidden so nobody, somebody come in, they won't steal it. Right? And it's right there. But I never go and look at it. I never go and put, well, you don't put a gun on your finger unless it's a weird little gun that nobody wants. But, uh, you know, I don't ever go look at it. I don't ever partake in it. I don't ever take it to myself. Man, you've got to take the gift, folks. You've got to take the gift. He gave it to you. He said, I'm going to make you mine. You're my child. All you have to do, place your faith in my risen, unique, and only Son. Repent of your sins. Man, and you know what? Not only are you going to be able to enjoy eternal life when that day comes, you're going to be able to live happier more joyful here. Notice, how did God orchestrate this beautiful result? I gave you a hand. I said it a bunch of times. He gave his unique, only begotten son. That's how he did it. He said, I've got a solution for the stuff that you're struggling with. I've got a solution for your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I've got a solution for your sorrow, for your fears, for your pain. I've got a solution for your sin." And it's called my son. And I just gave him to the world. The person. He didn't just give us a token or a meaningless gift. He gave his only begotten son, his fellow. Though he assumed, and, and I, I don't want you to miss this. He assumed the form of a servant, yet he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But now in the Asharit Ayamin, more tongues, of course. He has spoken to us through his Son. This is Hebrews 1, 2 through 3 in the complete Jewish Bible. But now in the Asherit Hayamim, he has spoken to us through his Son, to whom he has given ownership of everything, and through him he created the universe. This Son is the radiance of the Shekinah, the very expression of God's essence. Upholding all that exists by his powerful word. And after he had through himself made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of Hagdullah Bamromin. This means in Hebrew, the greatness on high. Got to observe this. You've got to take this in. He gave a son. He did so by promise. He did so in, in all of the ways that he speaks to the earth. He speaks to his children. He did it through sacrifice. He did it through written word. He did it through deed of his son. He did it prophetically. And in the fullness of time, Galatians 4, 4, he sent forth his son. But when the appointed time arrived, God sent forth his son. He was born from a woman, born into a culture in which legalistic perversion of the Torah was the norm, so that he might redeem those in subjection to this legalism and thus enable us to be made God's sons. That's Galatians 4, 
4 and 5 in the complete Jewish Bible. And for which he gave him, to assume human nature. He gave his son, assume human nature, to magnify the law, to reveal doctrines of the gospel through his life. And as a sinless example to his people, to shed his blood for a ransom for sin, and thus to die in the place of transgressors. Who are they? Us, you and me. To rise again for the justification of sinners. To be the ever-living advocate of his church. And who did he do this for? The world. And do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, and He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. According to John one twenty nine, Second Corinthians five fourteen, First John four fourteen and two two, the whole world is you and it's me. But here's how we take it. This is the divinely appointed mode. This is how you do it. This is how God set forth for us to take of the gift that whosoever believeth. I want you to observe here, the mode appointed here is faith believeth so as to fully credit God's testimony of our guilt, wretchedness and danger, his mercy, Christ's ability and readiness to save, and heartily embrace him in this mediatorial capacity, relying solely and full upon him for acceptance and eternal life. I want to say this very clearly. I don't want to be mistaken. Solely and fully relying on him for acceptance and eternal life is harder than we think. That sometimes when something is so easy, we don't believe it. Don't I need to do a bunch of other stuff? Don't I need to memorize a bunch of things? Don't I need to go to some special school, seminary, divinity school? Don't I need postgraduate degrees? No, you don't. He made it simple. We are to rely solely and fully upon him. Whosoever Believeth. It embraces all countries and all colors. It includes all grades of guilt, no matter what your sin is, all hues of moral character. Listen, you could be a slum dweller because of your actions, and then you see the face of Christ and you say, I want that glory. I want to worship that king, though I may remain in this gutter because of my poverty, spiritually, soul deep, I am as wealthy as as any man or any woman who ever walked the earth, because I have the promise of the living and almighty God. Amen. It embraces everyone, except for, and this is my warning for Donald Trump, and all the people out there blindly supporting Donald Trump. He said, I don't need something I need to ask forgiveness for. I don't need to ask forgiveness. It's as though he thinks, God pedantic beneath him. This whosoever believeth embraces everyone, no matter where you are, no matter how good you are, no matter where you are, he will come to where you are except the obstinate, impenitent unbeliever. I'm telling you, you say to me, 
I don't need forgiveness. You, in fact, are an unbeliever. The great original cause of God's unspeakable gift to the world. Why? Why did he do this? God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. The cause was his own free, unsolicited, sovereign love. The degree of this love is referred to, not determined, for it is only known in all its richness and vastness to the divine mind and is recorded by the word, so. God so loved the world. Eternity itself will be too limited to solve this word and to find out its unbounded significations. So, two letters. He loved us so. As the great preacher Chavez Burns is quoted to say, it is love as high as heaven, deep as the verge of perdition, wide as the universe, and durable as the everlasting ages to come. Listen, folks, the world has fallen. If you say to me, you say to me, hey, Sean, brother, you've got to help me out. Why would God allow things to be like this? Why would he allow this? How could he allow this? Why did he allow a snake, essentially his little infants in the in the in the Garden of Eden? Everything's perfect. They've never been exposed to sin, and all of a sudden the snake comes in, the serpent comes in, talking by the way, and talks. And, and let me say this: people throw Eve under the bus. There weren't buses back then. I'm pretty sure uh, there were buses back then. But he throws Eve under the bus. People throw Eve under the bus. It was not Eve's deal. It was Adam's. Because Adam didn't speak up, because we know that Adam was right there. He was right there, and he never spoke up. He never became a leader. He never stood up and said, baby doll, I think that's what he called her, I'm pretty sure. Baby doll, now you know, first of all, let's be serious. The snake is talking. Warning number one. Number two, it's a big snake. Number three, he's telling you, do what the creator of, hello, all this, told us not to do. The one thing. He said, enjoy all this, but don't from here. And what's he doing? He's telling you to do the one thing he said. God has been good to us. Now let's step away from the snake. Let's just step away from the talking snake, and then let's go talk to God, because he walks with us in the garden didn't do it don't put so much on eve folks don't slam eve brother adam he had work to do and he failed to do it our world is fallen that's why we are where we are and folks if i could answer that question why did he why did he do this the only thing i could give you is free will because if he made us with no free will to love and what does love mean there's a commercial on television. I can't remember what the commercial is for. It's some kind of cream or lotion or something. And there's this actress, I think, hilarious. She's sometimes more crude than I like. But she's talking about, um, you know, this, this girl. She's standing there talking to this lady in the house. And she says, this lady in the house. And she says, you know, mm, put this on your skin. And she rubs it in. She goes, oh, that's nice. That's so nice. Says, yeah, I was going to put it on your um, on last night, but you were asleep. Well, she obviously doesn't live in the house. You know what I mean? She's kind of a creeper, as the people say. To so she sneaks in, and like she's a stalker type of person. 
I think that's funny. You got to watch that commercial. Those of you who have TV, that commercial cracks me up every time. You'll see it. You'll see it and you'll laugh and you go, oh, Pastor Sean. He's so funny. Everybody fast forward to commercials nowadays. Anyway, look, I'm here to tell you the world is jacked up. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. The world is jacked up. I don't know why the snake was in there. I don't know why I was sneaking. I don't know why I did all those things, but I know this. God wants us to love him because we do, not because we have to. The good news which the gospel proclaims, God's love and mercy toward us through his love. And man, the access to salvation is so easy. It's so easy. God provided it to us, not by works, but by faith. We just have to believe. The failure of those who perish, for whosoever believeth shall have everlasting life. What's the inverse of that? The inverse of that is if you don't believe, guess what? It's over for you. Boy, if you don't believe, you might has you might has just go on and live crazy if you want to. Go on and live crazy. Because I'm sorry to tell you. I am so sorry to tell you, you have no hope. You you might well be sad about elections and all this stuff and and not don't even work don't even try, don't go on a diet don't eat healthy, run with scissors lean back in your chair do whatever you want to do stand there at the front of the refrigerator the refrigerator door open and don't just leave it open don't even choose, be crazy, seriously, eat all the eggs you want eat all the wow don't eat the bacon but if you're gonna die hopeless eat all the bacon. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Look, if if you have no hope, if you have no hope, man, I feel bad for you. But I'm sorry to say I'm in a club that will accept you if you take the gift. You got to go get the diamond out of the hidden place. He told you where it is and put it on your finger, put it in your heart and then glow glow like it. The Shekinah glory, the glory that comes off of God and His Son because of the Father. The Ruach HaKodesh, the the Holy Spirit should be shining from us. Don't live hopeless. Don't live sad. Live like you have a purpose in God, by God, and through God, because of God. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight. <laughs>